Hi, welcome back to The Inspectigators. This is Rory. And this is Grok. And this week, we are going to be discussing the case of the missing Grimes sisters. Ooh, okay. Let's get started. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so the victims of this case are Barbara and Patricia Grimes, who were 15 and 13, respectively. This case took place on December 17th, 1956. Okay. So this was a hot minute ago. A very, very chilly minute. <laughs> chilly minute. A little spicy. <laughs> so the location of the case was the Brighton Theater in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, it's Chicago. Of course it's Chicago. Of course it's Chicago. <laughs> Where else would it be? Why would it not be Chicago? It's not like this could have happened in L.A. So um, at 7.30 p.m. on December 17, 1956, Barbara and Patricia Grimes got onto the bus to go to the Brighton Theater with $2.50 between them to go see Elvis Presley's most recent movie, Love Me Tender. Oh, simpler times. Simpler times. Oh, to be a young woman to go see Elvis Presley in theaters. You want to know how many times they saw it? How many times? 14 times! <laughs> me too! <laughs> they ever just, like, get that bored? I mean, it's, it's a Chicago, but, like, me too. I mean, Chicago has a decent amount of stuff to do. <laughs> but, like, they just really love Elvis Presley. Literally, 14 times. This was their 15th time seeing this movie. Someone saw how many times they went to that movie and was like, we need to stop them. <laughs> That's why. But this is the whole reason for the case. Um, so they were huge Elvis Presley fans, which will actually come into play later. But the movie was a double feature, and their mother was like, yeah, okay, these kids are totally going to stay for the whole double feature. Because okay, yeah. she knew them. She was like, oh, there's their 15th time going to Elvis Presley. You love them more than you love me? Just kidding. <laughs> So they were going to stay and watch the whole thing. So she expected them home by about midnight, but they never made it home. ruh raggy So witnesses <laughs> say that they saw both girls get to the theater, and a friend of Patricia's even sat behind them for the first movie, and her name was Dorothy Weiner. Though she actually ended up leaving before the second film because she didn't want to stay for the whole double feature. Uh, but she reported seeing both girls at the concession stand, and they seemed to be perfectly happy. She was not a diehard fan. Obviously not disappointed. It's probably only her second time oh, seeing the movie. What a fake fan. Gosh, even back in the 1950s. <sighs> fake fan. <laughs> For shame. So when the girls didn't come home by midnight, their mother began to get worried for good reason. Uh, so she sent two of her other kids to go wait at the bus stop for them, but the girls never showed. By 2 a.m., their mother called the police and reported them missing. This ended up prompting one of Chicago's biggest manhunts. Oh. Civilians were offering to go look, along with police officers, and even nearby towns were offering resources to find them. That's awesome. Fun fact, this is actually still one of the biggest manhunts to date. Really? Mm -hmm. How many, do you know, like, like the amount of people that kind of helped out? It was just that big? Mm -hmm. That's, wow. There might be, well, I don't know, they don't really keep track, track of how many people show up for a manhunt. They're just kind of like, I guess, yeah. They're like, I'm here, hand me flashlight, let's go. Yeah. So the news ended up spreading about their disappearance, and what ended up happening was more and more people claimed to have seen them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people say that they saw them leaving Chicago. Others say they saw them hanging out in a record store. Um, one girl who was a classmate of Patricia's said she got two phone calls from her two weeks after she disappeared, oh. although nothing ever came from any of these leads. Mm -hmm. So the police eventually came to the conclusion that the girls must have run away to go meet Elvis. Oh... Yeah, so Elvis actually addressed them over the radio, saying that they should be good Presley fans oh. and go home to ease their mother's worries. 
But again, nothing would ever come of it. Wow. Wait, is this was it speculation or do they like, you know, have a solid reason why they thought they run away for Elvis? So the police were like, okay, these kids have seen this movie 15 times now. Yeah. So they're obviously big fans. Mm-hmm. So they were just kind of like, well, if we can't find them anywhere mm-hmm. and people say they've seen them leaving Chicago. Yeah. Our best guess is that they went to go find Presley. They were not prepared to meet Presley. Well, not not to meet. I mean, they didn't prepare at all. They just saw the movie and was like, "We gotta go see this man now." That's actually going to come into play later because their mother um, was basically talking to the police and she's like, "Look, I know you guys think my kids ran away, but I'm pretty sure they didn't." Yeah. Because first of all, they took nothing else with them except for the two dollars and fifty cents needed for bus fare. And the movie. Mm-hmm. So I guess they had, like, I don't know if they had opened presents early or something, but they had just gotten, like, a brand new radio. Oh. So yeah. their mom is like, there's no way they're going to run away from home with Christmas presents here that they haven't opened. And yeah. other things that they've just gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Exactly. They ended up getting found on January 22nd, oh. 1957. Uh-huh. So. They were found. Yeah. Not alive. Not alive. Oh. So a man named Leonard Prescott was driving down uh, German Church Road in Willow Springs, Illinois, Mm -hmm. when he saw what he thought were two mannequins lying on the side of the road. So he never mannequins. Never mannequins. So he went home to get his wife, and then came back to get a closer look, only to realize that it was the two missing girls. So. Both girls were naked, with Barbara lying face down and Patricia lying face up, like, on top of her. Police concluded that they must have been there since January 9th, but they weren't found because of the snow. Oh, yeah. So, the police also concluded that the girls must have died about four hours after they went missing, because the dinner they had eaten the night they were missing was still in their stomachs. So they had been dead for a long time. Yeah. Um, they- it was reported that they had, like- cuts and stuff on their faces, but yeah. it was mostly due to, like, animals. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like they... They were yeah. out in the wild. Yeah. Like, the snow kind of kept them preserved, preserved. and stuff, mm-hmm. but the animals did sort of, like, come at them. Yeah. Um, so the coroner said that cause of death was murder, but the only explanation was secondary exposure to the elements. So it was also concluded that neither girl had had any alcohol in their system at the time of death, but Barbara had had a sexual relation, but they don't know if it was consensual or not. Yeah, and from what it sounds like, it probably wasn't. So, funeral was held on January 28th, 1957 at St. Maurice Church. So, the thing about this case is that there were only two suspects. Mm-hmm. And one of the suspects isn't even really a suspect, but he was the most publicized. Yeah. As to have thought that he did, he did it. it. Yeah. So, the first one, uh, his name was Edward Lee Bedwell. He's a 21-year-old man who worked as a dishwasher and... He kind of looked like Elvis. Oh, no. Yeah. That's like the one time you don't want to look like a celebrity. Not great. Yeah. So the reason the police had become interested in him was because his employers turned him in saying that they had seen him with two girls who kind of resembled the sisters. People said that, (laughs) yeah, it's not great. People said they had seen the girls getting into a car with a man that looked like Elvis. So Bedwell wrote a 14-page confession saying- Yeah. Saying that he had met the girls with another man, but the port the reports kind of vary on who the other man is, um, at a bar a week after they went missing. But I thought it said... Hold on. Hmm. 
So the four of them then went on a drinking binge until the girls refused their sexual advances. The story was published and Bedwell became one of the most publicized suspects. But this story obviously doesn't add up to the evidence because the girls had no alcohol in their system, like at all. Yeah. And it also, it was stated by Ray Johnson, um, who was a current, like our time, uh, mm-hmm. police detective who worked with the Chicago police, that Bedwell couldn't read or write due oh. to some mental disabilities. Wait, then who wrote it? And that the confession he was signing was written after he was interrogated for three days in a motel room. <sighs> So Bedwell ended up later recanting the confession for good reason, saying that the police had beaten and bribed it out of him. Not surprised. Where it was like, police could just do whatever they wanted, basically. Yeah, more or less. Mm-hmm. Because they're the cops. What are you gonna do? This was a huge case in Chicago at the time. Yeah. Which and means so they wanted to find someone. They wanted to have someone there so they could close this case and move on. Yeah. So this is obviously not super great. Mm-mm. Especially since this poor guy was just living his life, looking a little like Elvis. <laughs> Being in a dishwasher. And this is what happened. <laughs> I imagined a dishwasher, like a, like a, like, um, a machine with Elvis Presley hair. <laughs> and he's all like, I didn't do it. The dishwasher goes a couple hip thrusts forward. <laughs> Eats a little banana peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> okay, so the second suspect, there's actually only two. I spent so long trying to find more suspects for this case. Yeah. I could not find any more. Really? Yeah. So there's only literally like two. And one isn't even really a suspect. He was mm-hmm. just beaten. And blamed. Yeah. Yeah. So the second suspect is a man by the name of Charles Leroy Melquist. So Melquist wouldn't he's not he wouldn't actually be a suspect until a lot later. Yeah. Um so he ended up getting tied to the Grimes sister case because of the case of Bonnie Lay Scott. So, Bonnie Lay Scott was 15, um, and she was another Illinois teenager who was killed and found in a ditch on the side of the road, nude, half a mile from where the Grimes sisters were found. Yeah. So, she was found on November 8th, 1958. Mm -hmm. So, this would... It's the same year. Yeah. Uh, Former police investigator Ray Johnson, same guy from before, Mm -hmm. um, made the connection. So, way later. Yeah. Saying that in the 50s, the mother of the Grimes sisters had received a call from a man saying very personal information about the girls that no one knew. And then later, she received a second phone call um, from the same guy saying that he had done it again and gotten away with it. That sounds pretty convicting. Yeah. Um, He was convicted for the Scott case Mm -hmm. with 99 years in prison. Wow. But he only served 11. Why? He probably got out for good uh, good behavior on parole. Didn't he kill people? He was never actually convicted Ugh. for the Grimes case. So according to the Daily Illinois newspaper on the Scott case, Milquist had smothered her with a pillow, stripped her, and taken her to the dumping site, and said he didn't know why he did it. Also stated in the newspaper that Milquist resembled Elvis. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So, the Bonnie Lay Scott case, I had to look into the cases separately to kind of figure out where they kind of, like, met together. Mm -hmm. So, she kind of came from not necessarily a rough home, but she didn't have a super great family life. Mm -hmm. And she had run away once before. Oh, she's had a history of this. Yeah, so when she went missing, her grandma immediately called the police and was like, Mm -hmm. my kid ran away again. And they're like, listen, we don't think she did because we can't find her. Yeah. 
And so I guess some of the reports kind of said that Bonnie Lay had been meeting with Milquest to like sleep together. Oh. It was, yeah, kind of gross. Um, or st- stuff kind of like that. Yeah, stuff related to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she ended up going missing. Mm-hmm. The person who called the Grimes sister's mother never actually was like, oh, hey, this is my name and this is what I did. Yeah, you know? but you can link it. Kinda. Yeah. And so when they went back through and were, like, trying to connect these cases, mm-hmm. Ray Johnson was kind of just like, hold on a minute. Wait a minute. I know you. This is very suspicious, you know? Yeah. And so, also an unfortunate time to look like Elvis. A very unfortunate time to look like Elvis. I mean... So to me, it sounds like Melquest did it. Yeah, it really does sound like he did it. Because I think... It's just hard, because I feel like all these cases, it's like, you kind of really know who did it, but you don't have any solid evidence to actually know who did it. Exactly, because no one really saw them getting kidnapped. Yeah. It was just, they were found dead in a ditch. Which is very unfortunate, because also, like... They don't even really know how they died. Yeah, because... They just said secondary exposure to the elements. So that could mean they just laid there and froze to death, or... Because I'm guessing the forensic stuff wasn't that great back then. 57... So it's not great, but it's not ridiculously horrible. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, how how did they die? Like, you know. Yeah, especially since they were killed literally four hours after they went missing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of it for this case. This one is definitely a much shorter case for yeah, this week. Because it was, it did wrap itself up. It's just the suspects that are, like, not very, like, clean cut and why it happened. There's also just not a whole lot on them. Mm-hmm. Like, the quote from the Illinois newspaper, I went back to the, like, pictures of the newspaper yeah. from that year. And it wasn't even in depth, I'm guessing. Not really. I mean... It was definitely in-depth for the amount of space that they gave this poor author. Yeah. It wasn't that big of a paragraph. Mm-hmm. But there just wasn't a whole lot, especially on the Grimes sisters' case, because there just wasn't anything there. Yeah. It just happened, and no one knew what to make of it. Yeah. They were just kind of like, what do you mean they went missing? Moral of the story, don't trust Elvis impersonators. Yeah. Don't. You know, the ones in Vegas are like, I'll marry you. No, they're going to murder you. Run away. <laughs> you, you have two options. Two M's. Marry or murder. <laughs> So, pun time? Pun time. Welcome to the pun territory. (laughs) Welcome to the punishment! (laughs) Would it be insensitive to make Elvis puns? I don't see why not. Pelvis. Pelvis Presley. Unfortunate. Stayed in an Elvis-themed hotel. The restaurant is for people who love meat tender. Uh. (laughs) Oh. Okay. Just found out that someone has accidentally given away all my Elvis records. I'm all shook up. Uh-huh. <laughs> medical ethics? More like medical Elvis. Oh. Sorry, we don't have medical ethics at this hospital. We only have medical Elvis. It's just writing ethics with Elvis. Professional ethics? More like professional Elvis. San Francisco Ethics Commission? More like San Francisco Elvish commit Elvish. Elvis? El- El- Elvis? Elvis commission. I can't speak. Uniform customs and practice for documentary credits. More like uniform customs and practice for documentary Elvis. Am I right? So that's it for this week's episode of The Inspectigators. This is Rory signing off. This is Grok signing off. Bye! Now, if you're still listening, please enjoy some bloopers from this week's episode.
Mr. President, you've made me ooh-woo. Leave. <laughs> what do the gunshots sound like? <laughs> That's not the joke, but I had to do the, the noise. What do the gunshots sound like? <laughs>